Come on in, sit back, relax, and listen to episode 147 of the Wolf Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Iskowitz, founder of Ezra Group Consulting. And this podcast features interviews, news, and analysis on the trends and best practices all around wealth management technology. Now, our topic for this month is ESG data. So we chose this topic because it's an area of a very hot industry trend that really wasn't getting enough coverage in the media that we felt. And we always want to know more about how basically how the sausage is made behind the scenes in industry trends. And ESG data seemed an interesting area for us, how it works, how they gather the data, how the data is analyzed and organized, since it can be, it has been driving a lot of uh, investment decisions recently. A lot of uh, firms are saying that ESG should drive investment decisions, but the question is, how do you get the data and where is it coming from and is it reliable? So I met today's guest, Ben Webster, who's the founder of OWL ESG at a VC event where a number of startups were pitching for funding. And I found Ben's presentation really compelling and I grabbed him after the conference. We talked for a while and we've pretty much been talking ever since. Now, we not only did this interview, but we're also co-authoring an article on the use of ESG data in wealth management that will be coming out in a couple of weeks. But before I get into any of that, allow me to first expound on how important data is to the success of any ESG initiative or any technology-driven program for that matter. And this is why Ezra Group launched our data assessment service for enterprise wealth management. We conduct an in-depth interview, uh, a review of the current data sources, downstream consumers, data utilization, and data infrastructure for any target area of your firm. And then we deliver a comprehensive strategy and roadmap to get your data architecture under control. For more information on Ezra Group's data assessment service, please go to EzraGroupLLC.com. A couple of quick housekeeping notes before we continue. Please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Make sure to check out our sponsor, the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation at investinothers.org. And now let's kick this thing off. I'm really excited to introduce our next guest. It is Ben Webster, co-founder and CEO of OWL ESG. Ben, hey man, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad we can make it. We just saw each other in person back at the T3 conference. Great to see you. That, that was, it was great to meet you in person. And that was an amazing event and, and met a lot of uh, uh, amazing people. And I met a lot of people I know and people I didn't know. And just uh, it was great being, being around people and hanging out and, and uh, getting that in-person um, interaction, sort of serendipity, walking around the, the trade floor and running into people you maybe didn't know, which you don't get on Zoom. So it was all good. And uh, yeah, ben, it's my first time there. I, I, I really enjoyed that as well. It's always nice to see first time people and see what they think of the, the I think it's yep. my eighth or ninth T3 conference, but yeah, it's a big one for our industry. What, um, so where are you calling in from then? Um, Los Angeles, California. Excellent. You sound great. I'm in uh, on the East Coast and everything's great over here, but uh, let's nice. get kicked off. Can you please give us the 30-second elevator pitch for OWL ESG? So OWL ESG is an environmental, social, and governance ESG data and analytics firm. Uh, we work with um, a wide variety of institutional investor clients across the world, hedge funds, um, large asset management platforms, banks, insurance companies, 
uh, financial technology platforms, advisors, wealth managers, and so forth and so on. And what we help them do is to make more impactful uh, investment choices with the latest and greatest ESG data available in the market um, to help them serve their client mandates. So one of the reasons why we were, were talking and why we've been talking is there's no one ESG data source that everyone uses. There's lots of them. So can you talk Correct. about what the, the impetus was for your company and how you are solving some of these problems with, with all the different providers of ESG data? Yeah, happy to do that. Um, so the kind of story goes back, you know, a decade approximately. Um, we, my partner and I, Andrew Smith, we wanted to start a investment management company, primarily an ETF company. And we identified um, ESG, impact investing, sustainable investing, something that we're both passionate about. And decided, hey, we need to figure out how to, to execute this in an index that would power ETFs. Um, we were looking at many different options, including creating our own data, um, but decided to first start by um, talking to the predominant ESG data and analytics providers out on the market. Without naming names, we started to uh, get access to, to some data from a number of them. And we quickly identified that um, ratings were very subjective. So a good example of what, what I mean by that is if you look at a bond rating, right, credit rating, right, and you look at the ratings from S&P Global, Fitch, Moody's, or, or, or others that exist out there, and you compare them at any two rate, uh, of those bond rating firms, they're typically going to be above a 95% correlation. That means if any given company has a good credit rating, like say an A or a AAA with one credit rating agency, it's going to be right around there with, with another, right? That wasn't true with ESG ratings. You know, any given company could have a great ESG score or a great E score, S score, G score, or other types of ESG scores. And those similar scores could be anywhere from poor or dreadful with another provider all the way up to great as well. And so the correlation at that time was somewhere in the low 30% correlation, which we translate that to mean that's highly subjective, right? And so, you know, I come from a physics background. My, my partner came from a, a, a finance background, but with a heavy emphasis on, on data science and stats and, and math, what have you. And it just didn't sit well with us. We were like, we can't, we can't use these metrics because if we work, work with this one provider, this company would not be in our index. We worked with another provider, that company would be in our index. And like, we, we just couldn't sit with that. So what we decided to do is like, well, well you know what? Let's create, let's see if we work with multiple providers to create a consensus score that, we would, uh, that was ours, that we could then um, power our ETFs. And we spent a number of years trying to launch our, our, an ETF company um, while we had created our, our own consensus scores to solve that subjectivity problem. And that's kind of where the origination of our, our, our metrics, our, our core product, the AL ESG consensus scores came from, was we wanted to build investment products for, uh, uh, ourselves 
uh, and the scores ended up ha- having such resonance with anyone we spoke to about them that we just decided to become a data company. It makes a lot of sense. You were scratching your own itch and decided it was something that you could then sell to other firms. Exactly. Exactly. So we created those scores because, you know, you know, it, it, you know, to solve our own problem. But if you really think about it, right. Um, if we decide to create our own ESG ratings based off of our own, and we can go into why the ratings are subjective in a sec, but created our own ratings based on how we looked at the world, we would just be like any other provider creating our own subjective view by doing what we do and aggregating hundreds of sources and many of the largest ratings providers, we then can do something that takes it to the next level of objectivity and rate based on consensus, much like, you know, consensus earnings estimates are used to generate consensus from multiple subjective opinions, opinions of analysts on where the earnings are going to be for a company in the future. And so that's kind of what we decided to do. And I'm happy to get into why ratings are subjective, if that's of interest to you. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're, I really like to know that. So when, when I look at a lot of these data sources, I can't figure out how they're deciding which of the, you know, they, like MSCI is 35 parameters, how they decide how to weight them, how they decide you know, where the data is coming from. Is that data clean? You know, if you've if you got 35 subjective data sources, you're bringing into one score. How can anyone trust that score matches what any investor would think is a valid ESG number? Yeah, and uh, that, so that's a, that's a great question. And just so that, to be clear, uh, we're a big fans of what all the ratings providers do. Um, it's hard. So let me tell you why what they're doing is hard, what you know, Morningstar is doing that's hard, and and all the other providers out there. And and I do want to give them credit where credit's due, right? One of the main reasons why it, it, it is subjective is because ESG disclosure is not regulated. It's not like when you, when you have credit ratings, they're all looking at regulated, mandatory financial disclosures that all companies have to disclose. So they were, the credit rating agencies are working with a very consistent data set that for the most part, and we know there can be shenanigans that go into the companies can do to, to make themselves look more solvent than they are. And we, we all know that, but those are all known things that are pretty much um, uh, um, people doing credit ratings know about those and they've developed techniques on how to deal with it, but they're all looking at a very standardized data set. And so Moody's and S&P Global and Fitch and the others all look at the same thing. The problem with ESG disclosure, because it's not regulated, any given company, like the, you know, the companies that uh, ESG ratings and research firm would be evaluating, they can report, they don't have to report anything. They can report on some things and not others. Two companies in the same industry can each be deciding to report on certain ESG metrics, but the metrics that one oil and gas company report reports may not be the same ESG metrics that another oil and gas company reports, right? And when I say metrics, I'm sorry, themes like carbon data, um, water waste, whatever it may be, they're not reporting on the same thing and they're not reporting them in the same ways. So they could both be reporting on, on 
on carbon emissions, but maybe one's reporting on total carbon emissions and one's reporting on certain subsets of carbon emissions, or, or they'd be putting them into goals, not into past performance, right? Um, and it's not even audited, right? So, um, so that's difficult. And so what you end up getting is if you're an, an, someone in an ESG ratings firm and you're trying to go, okay, let's figure out how we're going to rate oil and gas companies or how we're going to rate trucking companies and shipping companies and how we're going to rate ship makers, right? You're looking at any group of companies with, you know, with the, you know, within a segment, let's just say stick with oil and gas. And the data is completely inconsistent. There's blanks everywhere. It's not standardized. How, how do you rate, create a standardized data set, standardized ratings when the raw materials are so all over the place, right? So by nature, they have to take subjective leaps. They have to go, okay, how do I, how do I rate, um, you know, British Petroleum and how do I rate Exxon on, let me give them an emission score. Triple A on emissions, whatever it may be, when they're not scoring the same thing, and they have to take subjective leaps. To, they don't have the same raw data. Excuse me. They have to take subjective leaps to do that. So that's where the issue arises. Each of the different ratings firms make ultimately uh, different subjective leaps, and they they all have their their reasons for making those obje- subjective leaps. And frankly, they change it over time. They try to get better, or in some cases, more marketable, or, let, or in some cases, maybe they cut corners. In some cases, they don't. Right? I'm, you know, without pointing at any given firm, it's tough no matter how you slice and dice it. And 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 that and it's a difficult issue. And so, what we're trying to do, cut through all that noise, and go source one. This is what they think about. British Petroleum. Source two, this is what they think about British Petroleum. And what's the differences in what they think? And what are the similarities in what they think? And when I say, but what they think, what they think in regards to how British Petroleum is managing certain ESG risks and opportunities, right? How is British Petroleum Petroleum managing their pollution risk, Right. right? How is how are they managing um, um, their their risk in the in the local markets they work in, um, and 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 how they're destroying maybe destroying the environment or helping the environment in right. in the in where they're drilling, where they're selling, all those types of things, right? Event. We are seeing on that topic and topic by topic how source one and source two agree or disagree on how British Petroleum is doing. Hey and so we're taking those advanced, hey ben. we're looking at this deeper and trying to isolate where the sources agree and making a standardized data set that's usable, clean, consistent for clients. I want to take a little break from this episode to talk about our sponsor, the Invest in Others Foundation. The Invest in Others Foundation is a 503c charitable foundation, and they work to raise money to uh, donate to charities that are uh, sponsored or supported by financial advisors. And I've been with uh, working with these guys for a number of years, and I'm also honored to be on some of the judging committees that decide where the money goes to which charity uh, based on uh, the advisor's work. And we have a number of uh, really interesting 
uh, really well-deserving charities. I, I, we get 10 each time. We have to pick just one to get the money, uh, at least to the main winner. Then the rest uh, get some sort of um, uh, follow-on uh, uh, prizes after that. But it's really interesting and it's very difficult to decide. There's so many good charities. That's why I'm always trying to uh, raise more funds for Invest in Others. We really want to give money to all of these charities. Uh, the one, the judging that I did uh, recently was for the Community Service Award. That's for local charities only, not national. Uh, there's also global charity awards for overseas chari charitable work um, and the national U.S. awards for larger organizations. But this is just community-based charities. It was really difficult. There's some great opportunities um, to help uh, people all over the country. So that's why I suggest you go to investinothers.org and make a donation. Now, hopefully your company can match it. Investinothers.org. That's cool. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there. So can we talk about how, how many data sources are you bringing in? Um, over 600 at this point. I didn't realize there were 600 ESG data providers. Are they all equal? Are they all the so, same? There's a numbers of, numbers so of there's probably like 50 or 60 ESG data providers in there. Um, uh, but like, you know, you know, around, you know, 13 or 14 major providers in there and then a whole bunch of specialists. And then the remaining sources are other types of, of companies, NGOs, uh, nonprofits, and so forth and so on, that they're not ESG data providers, but in the process of doing what they do, they are collecting data points that are ESG data points, right? Like for example, a nonprofit that may be working with the clothing manufacturing industry and are, are consulting with those clothing manufacturers on how to make their supply chain, um, 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 you know, conflict free and, uh, free of, 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 uh, labor violations and, and so on and so forth. So in the process that, and nonprofit or whatever type of entity that we're working with, they're gathering that data to do what they do. And that exhaust gets given to us. What is your tech stack? What did you build in the back end to make all this work? Yeah, you know, it's it's you know very much cloud based. We run it on um, AWS. We're using Python and a lot of the tools available in Python. Uh, essentially, it's it's a big process in data science, um, analyzing our different sources and running regression analysis and, and determining correlations to uh, again identify you know when each of our sources look at a company what are the what is the ESG view of that that source on that company and how is that compared to the view of of source by source on that company and your the regression you run you're trying to determine the overlap between the different sources yeah exactly determine determine hey, for this company over time, um, have they been looking at, for example, board diversity or water waste or, or uh, uh, CO2 emissions and other emissions or gender pay gap or whatever the, the ESG issues that they rate, right? Over time, have, have, has, has, has this source and that source continued to look at that issue 
as something that they're scoring for that company. Right. And, 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 you know, sometimes there's, there's issues where, you know, just because they call, like, if you look at a, 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 a certain source and they call, they may call it uh, emissions Another source may call it carbon emissions. Right. And they're rating those, those, those issues. Are they the same thing or are they different? Right. So we're doing a lot of analysis of that, of that, of that type to identify, you know, how correlated those two are. And that determines a degree of consensus on, okay, on that issue, are they in agreement or not agreement? Right. Cool. So how does, um, so you got your data science, your advanced statistics, you're running regression, you're, you're detecting correlations to identify commonalities between sources and determine the overlap of the relevant ESG statistics. So what can companies, what do your clients do with this output? Yeah, it, it, it's, there's a lot of different types of clients. And I know that you, you know, we've got a lot of hedge funds, large asset manager shops. We got ETF issuers that use our data. And what they're doing essentially is constructing investment product, right? Um, a lot of, uh, of, that, of that clientele is looking at, um, uh, at our data and trying to fig find some sort of risk mitigation or some sort of alpha. They also use it sometimes to constrain their universe. So for example, we only want um, um, companies that are in the top 50 percentile uh, for their industry uh, on, uh, uh, on the, our diversity and workplace rights score, right? Oh, I wanna make sure that all, all companies in the bottom quartile on, on um, pollution prevention and climate change score are not in my portfolio, right? Things like that. Um, so they're doing it to construct the universe and screen out or screen in companies into their universe as well. Um, so that's, that's used and they're doing it for reporting. So when they sit down with investors, a lot of, we have a lot of, um, in the wealth space and the, in, in the wealth management space and the advisory space, like their people sit down with their clients and advisors or wealth managers sit with their clients and go, Hey, what's important to you? Do you care about pollution prevention, climate change? Oh, you do. Do you care about, um, management ethics? I do, but not as much. Uh, I'm fine not looking at that metric, right? Or, 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 or having companies that may score poor on that because I really care about pollution prevention, climate change. And so we, long, the long and the short of it is, is a lot of advisors work with a lot of uh, female clients and it's huge amongst female investors, millennial investors and you know, younger generation investors. And a lot of RAs and wealth managers are trying to um, future safe their, their firms, right? Knowing that, if you invest in, in, in serving those demographics and doing a great job on it and building your practice around what they care about and they very much care about ESG, um, um, that they're going to have better client retention, a uh, lot more asset management growth and building a, a bigger and better practice, right? And you need to engage with those clients and ask them, well, what do you care about? Let's look at what we can measure with Al's data and let's see of those ESG themes and issues what do you care about? And let's build a portfolio and choose funds or stocks or bonds according to what matters to you. And what matters is that different investors care about different issues. So what's the they most do. important thing that you need in your data to be able to support those investors? That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, you know, what I would say is 
that that uh, the most important thing is giving them an easy means of having conversations with their investors and determining suitability, right? And then reporting on it and, and, and ensuring that you engage regularly with them, them on your, whatever your updates are, whether they're annual update meetings, quarterly update meetings. I think that the best means for doing that is, is through some sort of software as a service application. Um, we are launching our own soon, but we work with a lot of other financial technology providers that embed our data into their workflows and, and allow, allowing, for example, we work with FI360 at Broadridge, allowing the planned fiduciaries that, that are in that system to, to build their 401k, 401k plans based on choosing funds that are better than peers on, on, on different ESG metrics, right? You know, and so it's really that data that allows easy personalization and reporting that um, that is is the, the highest and best use, at least for the wealth and advisory space. Yeah, I can imagine that having that ability to easily personalize your portfolio, no matter where it is being held, could be extremely important. What about having a wide securities coverage and a wide data coverage? Does that help in customization? That no, that that's really really important, and uh, I'm glad you pointed it out. So I, I think the biggest issues with, 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 with the category of ESG data that's called ESG ratings, right, is the subjectivity we've already addressed. But the other two is coverage and lack of, of having you know, fresh updated data, right? Starting with the coverage, right? Um, typically, most providers cover, you know, six to 8,000 companies, right? Um, and they may cover some funds, um, what have you. Al covers almost 30,000 companies, right? Um, which is like 99% plus of the world's market capitalization, right? Um, we also um, up at, we cover uh, approximately 60,000 mutual funds and ETFs and their various share classes. And we cover um, starting in a month and a half, we're going to be covering about 200 and I think it's about 260,000 corporate bonds. So we can cover a wide variety of the por portion of the portfolio, both in fixed income funds and equities. Um, and so that coverage is really important. But what's also really great is that we, we update monthly because we have hundreds of sources powering our scores for any given company. There's always some source giving us some data to give us the fresh view on a monthly basis and update the score. The typical ESG rating vendor, they will score um, the average company once a year. So it, it, it's, it's, you know, you would never make an investment uh, in when you're analyzing a company that's the, where you have the latest information about them on earnings or sales growth or anything like that was 12 months lagged, right? Um, um, that's what's going on. And so what we have is the freshest data in the industry, um, the most objective with the widest coverage. But you don't um, generate any data on your own and you don't override a source. You just um, review the sources, aggregate them and maybe provide some sort of credibility analysis. 
Yeah, well, you know, the credibility analysis is internal, but yeah, for the AL ESG consensus scores, we are not overriding anything. We merely identify consensus and 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 make sure that the the data that's powering us is quality. So if there if we if we're detecting abnormalities abnormalities excuse me in the um, underlying sources data. Um, we, you know, the, our credibility analysis being internal, what we're doing is we're trying to identify bad data, you know, not subjective data, bad, incorrect data that, um, you know, that, is, that we can eliminate from the, from the optimization process and the aggregation process. Um, but ultimately what we're providing to the client, it's not, it doesn't have any of our subjective viewpoint on, Hey, is this company ESG or good for the world or bad for the world or what have you. It's, it's merely, this is what the market of the world's leading ESG data providers, this is the market view on what this company is, how this company is doing regarding to ESG, right? Um, that said, you asked, do we have any of our own data? We actually do have our own data, but it's a, they're completely separate products, right? That are parallel to our consensus scores. But we also provide, um, um, what's often called screening data. If you want to stay away from companies that are involved in animal testing or fracking, palm oil, um, um, you know, weapons of mass destruction, whatever it may be, and this is more of an ethical viewpoint of the world, meaning, hey, that activity may not be illegal, but I, I just do not want to be investing in companies that, that, that that's what they're, 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 they're peddling or that's what they're doing, Right. Um, so we call that our, 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 our screening product, our ethical or principles-based screening product. We also have a controversies product and, and, uh, that controversies are things like, is the company embroiled in any litigation involving things like oil spills, environmental catastrophes are involved in litigation about human rights, litigation, labor, litigation, corruption, like, uh, you know, like counting fraud, bribery, you know, those types of things. And last but not least, we have a whole bunch of carbon data. So if people want to directly look at, hey, uh, alignment with Paris, the Paris Accords or um, carbon emissions and lowering their carbon footprint, you know, we, that is a separate data set that we do provide. But be very clear, it's, it's a different data set that can be used in conjunction with the consensus scores, but it has a completely different process in its creation and, and uh, maintenance. Ben. You have said it all, and we have run out of time. Can you tell people who are listening where they can find out more about your company, Owl ESG? Yeah, you can find us on, on obviously, the web at www.owl, O-W-L, like the bird, ESG.com, owlesg.com. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and, and other social platforms. Great. Ben, thanks for being here. I really appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much for having me. It was, it was a blast. Hey, it's Craig again. Here are my top three takeaways from this interview. You just, uh, number one. Hey, it's Craig again. Here are my top three takeaways from this interview. Number one, ESG ratings are highly subjective and updated infrequently. That's why the data needs to be uh, massaged, needs to be analyzed and, and, uh, in, in great detail. Also has to be uh, correlated and, and reviewed uh, by some very strict methodologies to make sure that you're getting data that is um, useful. 
Uh, number two, the uh, OWL ESG covers over 600 data sources. Now, only 13 or 14 of them are major, and there's lots of specialists plus other types of companies like NGOs that collect ESG data points, and OWL brings in data from all of those. And finally, number three, OWL covers over 30,000 companies, 60,000 mutual funds and ETFs, and 260,000 corporate bonds. And the data there is updated monthly, seems super useful for any firms looking to bring ESG data into their investment processes. And that's it for this episode. Please go to our website, EzraGroupLLC.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage and sign up for our newsletter. Once a month, you'll receive an email chock full of wealth management goodness, news, analysis, information links, and all that good stuff. You will not be disappointed. Thanks again for listening and talk to you all again next time.